Okay, Offsiders, welcome back. This is episode 11. Um, we've got a bit of a twist today. We've got a guest star again, um, Ali. Ali, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have a different guest on board. Um, now, Nims is here, but he's just having a bit of a, a bit of a health issue, a bit of a, a bit of a weakness. A bit struggling. He's a bit weak at the moment, so you should head over to, um, head over to Bunnings and get some concrete. I know he's going to rip into me on the next podcast about that comment. Um, but look, we'll get straight into it. We had a big week ahead of us. Uh, sorry, a big week that just passed. Champions League, Europa League, but we've got a big Premier League weekend as well. So let's just touch on the Champions League that just passed through and we'll work our way through all the games. All right, well, we'll just start off with Group A now, just quickly going through the results for that one. You had Club Bruges and Galatasaray come out with a nil-all draw. And one of the big games of the Champions League week was PSG and Real Madrid, which ended up in a massive win for PSG. Um, Ali, it doesn't look like Real Madrid's ready for this Champions League season. Yeah, I know everyone thought with um, Zidane being back that the fortunes might change, but it looks like the same Real Madrid from last year. They had like zero shots on target, which is... I think the the first time they've had no shots since 2003. That's a very long time for them. Yeah, so we should see how they bounce back in the next few games. Well, look, with me and Nims, we've discussed this on the podcast previously, so we'll get your view on this. Now, Zidane did win three Champions Leagues in a row. You think that's more Ronaldo than Zidane? Yeah, 100%. Like, Be- because you can you can clearly see it, and you can clearly see the way Juventus are now playing, Ju- Juventus are now progressing, and it doesn't seem like that the players that they've bought have really replaced or can you even replace someone like Ronaldo? And it's not just Ronaldo. It's just the, the rest of their stars are all aging. They're all older. Navas is gone. Modric is older. Cruz is older. So it's like an aging uh, squad plus Ronaldo's leaving. So obviously they're not going to be as good as they were before. Yeah, exactly. And it was a very, very poor performance coming from a Chelsea fan for Eden Hazard. Now, he did have one one shot pretty much that was almost in. But besides that, it seemed like he was a bit of a ghost on the field. Now, do you reckon that's because of the team he's surrounded with and that he transferred to Real Madrid at the wrong time? I think it's just early days for Hazard. He got injured when he first moved there. Yeah, he was injured. I think he's like his first or second game back from injury. So give him time and then we'll see the real Hazard. Yeah, we're going to have to. He does. He definitely does have the talent. I think it was just more salt in the wounds considering Di Maria scoring a double <laughs> and Kilo Navas um, keeping a clean sheet. Now, Gracious as always by uh, Di Maria when he scored against uh, United last year, celebrated scores against Madrid this year. And the love hearts come out from his <laughs> hand. So he, look, it, does, it didn't seem like he was missing his time Did around you, Madrid. Have you seen the photo of uh, Kilo Navas winking at Courtois after the game? Yep, and to be honest, as a, uh, as a Chelsea fan, I can't say I'm very sad about that. So <laughs> the more goals he concedes, the more happier for me. Courtois also comes across as a kind of like an arrogant kind of... Not only arrogant, I think he will throw anyone under the bus yeah. very easily because he even criticised Eden Hazard's performance already mm. and he was the one that was begging him to come to Real Madrid to be with him. So, look, I agree with you. It is early days for him. A man like that, I don't expect Hazard to turn into, say, Alexis Sanchez, mm. the way he turned out. So, I reckon... I still reckon Real Madrid to progress out of the group. I can't see my team guys today or Club Bruges causing a major upset with this, but I reckon PSG easy top of the lead, uh, top of the group for that one. Uh, I reckon it's still too early. They still got the reverse fixture at you know, the Bernabeu, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, zero shots on goal. Not a very good performance for Real Madrid. All right, now heading into Group B, we have uh, Bayern Munich beating Red Star Belgrade 3-0 and Tottenham surrendering a two-goal lead against Olympiacos. What are your thoughts on the game, Fats? Well, as a Chelsea fan, I'm always happy when Tottenham 
do what they do best, which is bottle everything. Um, I think uh, I think this is starting to catch up to Tottenham because we can see that their performances aren't as great as what they were in the Premier League last year or the way they were performing in the Champions League. It is still early days for them, but I reckon that's a big three points drop for them. Yeah, I think um, it's still too early, but I think the fragilities are showing in their squad. I think there's a bit of inconsistencies with uh, Pochettino and Eriksen and are they going to stay, are they going to go? So like showing on the field. Now, I'll throw you a left ball here. Tottenham, you can see that there's problems in the team. Zidane, not performing that great. Pochettino, Real Madrid, it's too early. I think it's too early. I think if it happens, it won't happen until the off-season. I just don't see Pochettino. I don't think Pochettino's the type of like man who would just leave his team, abandon him halfway through a season and just ditch him. So I think if that happens, we'll be in during the off-season. Well, if it does happen, I, I, can, I can really see it in the headlines. Pochettino, Real Madrid, Ericsson, Real Madrid, Kane, Real Madrid. <laughs> the whole team's going to be leaving. Oh, if you believe the news, then apparently Real Madrid are after Jurgen Klopp and uh, Virgil van Dijk in January. <laughs> yeah, uh, shout out to Fox Sports for that one. Um, wherever you're getting your info, man, good work. <laughs> I don't know where, where that shit's coming from. Um, but look... Uh, two, I reckon two big points drop for Tottenham Bayern doing what they do best um, easy three points for them leading the group still sticking with Bayern and Tottenham for now yeah I think um, easy three points for top, uh, Bayern Munich but just don't um, Red Star Belgrade last year shocked a few teams at their home ground it's a very hostile atmosphere over there in Serbia so when they get Bayern Munich and Tottenham and Olympiakos to go to Serbia like, don't be expected to be um, surprised if they get a result yeah there's your stat there uh, moving on to Group C. Now, two big wins here. Man City away to Shakhtar and Dinamo Zagreb uh, hammering to newcomers Atalanta. Now, Man City, the biggest rivals as, as you are a Liverpool supporter. Um, another defender out, but they still managed the three points. Yeah, everyone was like interested interested to see how they went without uh, Stones and Laporte, with Fernandinho filling in in centre-back. Business as usual for Man City, clean sheet, three points. Yeah, and... To be honest, I don't think anyone expected anything less. Like I do understand that they have defensive issues, but with a with a team like Shakhtar, I know that Shakhtar did surprise them last year in the last Champions League, and they did beat them. But considering the experience that they have, the bench that they have, I think if they can afford to even concede one or two goals, they're going to be hammering out certain opponents yeah, four or five goals. Man City are such a good team that you can chuck me in at centre back, and like I won't have to do anything for ninety minutes. Like if all that's comes true. To, I'll just give me the ball and pass it to the Bruyne. That's the that's the game plan. And even if they do pass you, they got a pretty good goalkeeper at the yeah, moment exactly. as well, Edison. So look I, again, Dinamo Zagreb, big win four 0 against the Atalanta, top in that group for now. So. I reckon Man City will still take out the group. And to be honest, I reckon second place is still up for grabs in that group. Yeah, it'll be interesting interesting to see who comes second between Shakhtar and Dynamo Zagreb. Um, Atalanta, it's their first time in the Champions League, so no one's really expecting much from them as of yet, but we'll see how they go. We will see. Um, group D. Now, there was a massive, massive game in that group. We had Atletico Madrid versus Juventus. Now, that game ended up in a draw. But in my opinion, I reckon Atletico should have taken that out. Um, Felix, 18-year-old, potential the next superstar of Portugal or the world, if you want to say. Fluffed a few chances in that game that I reckon giving him two, three years more experience, he'll be slotting them away. Ronaldo almost winning it in stoppage time with a magnificent move for a 34-year-old, a 35-year-old. I reckon 
you reckon that these two teams are definitely one of the two teams that can actually potentially win the Champions League? Yeah, they're two, like two, probably maybe like six, seven teams that can win the Champions League, the big, very big powerhouses. Um, you say that Madrid should have won it, but then at the same time, Juventus is up 2-0. They really shouldn't give up that lead, especially to two set pieces. For I know that's Atletico Madrid's strong suit, but still with a two-goal lead and the defenders that Juve have... They shouldn't really be giving that giving up that lead. Do you reckon if it wasn't Sari and it was more Allegri, they would have just solidified uh, that defense and taken it out? If it's Allegri, then it's one nil Juve. Like sit park the bus, park the bus. Well, not yeah. really park the bus, just defensive, just clean sheet. Next game. All right, so Sari there needs to work on his um sorry more <laughs> sorry more pretty much um the other game was Lokomotiv Moscow buying Leverkusen. Now I don't think. I don't think it's a good time for Bayern Leverkusen fans at the moment. Another a big loss at home against the Russians. They also did lose to Dortmund 4-0 in the Bundesliga heading into this game. So I think there's a bit of a bit of work for Bayern to do. Um, considering Lokomotiv Moscow's win, I don't think anyone would ever back Atletico and Juve to finish first or second, whichever way you prefer. Um, so I reckon the Europa League spot looks more set for Lokomotiv Moscow at the moment. Yeah, with that performance, like they, they've got the head start. It just has to see in the reverse fixture how Leverkusen go, if they can get another three points, and then we'll see who makes Europe. Maybe League. even shock Atletico Juve somehow, So, but we're going to have to see how that group goes. Yep. Moving on to the group of the current European champions, Liverpool and Napoli was also a massive game. Just before we get into that, you had the other game in the group, which was Red Bull Salzburg and Genk now. Red Bull walking away with that game 6-2. Very easy win for them. Um, before we get more into how they're going to potentially go against Liverpool and Napoli, a loss for Liverpool, Ali, your team. Early days, first game of the season. We lost last year 1-0 to Napoli away. We won the Champions League. This year we lost 2-0. We might win the Champions League and the Premier League. And as I a believe result. that's what Ancelotti, Ancelotti said to Klopp as soon as the game was over. Who am I to disagree with Ancelotti? He's a smart <laughs> man. He knows what he's talking about. Do you think, no, well, judging from the way I saw this game, it was a much better performance than the last time you guys were there? Yeah, we played really well um, on was it Wednesday morning. Should have won the game probably. Um I think 70 minutes in, Napoli were out on their feet. They couldn't run anymore. And then they get lucky with a very soft penalty decision. Uh, was it? Do you think it was a penalty? No, it wasn't. No no chance. I've got other Liverpool supporters, like uh, other podca- uh, podcaster, Ohms, who says that he sees it as a penalty. Again, I look, I watched it from a few different angles. Um, it didn't. It looked like he was diving before he even yeah. had any it's touches. It's a stupid challenge from Robertson, but at the end of the day, Dries, uh, it was Callahan started falling before if there was any effect which, is, which is what I saw um, do you think VAR should have seen that uh, who knows with VAR these days like there's been so many stuff that they should have changed so far this season but that's another one they haven't uh, it definitely should have been overturned but then you'd have to give Callahan a yellow card for simulation which is true too um, and Fernando Lorente Sealing it up for you go people are uh, saying that his revenge for losing the final with Tottenham him scoring a goal to ice the game against Liverpool, I don't really see that as like no moot point. Um, I just want to shout out to Koulibaly, very very good centre back. He's the one that probably kept uh, Napoli in the game for the most of the game, and then the players up front won the game for him. Do you think that there should be a raid on Koulibaly for Liverpool? Koulibaly Van Dijk. We've got we've got 
Van Dyke, we've got Matip, we've got Joe Gomez, we've got Dejan Lovren. We don't need another centre back. Now I'm going to throw you one from. I've, I've, we've had a few complaints from Ohms, as you know yourself. Um, he believes that Liverpool do have a defensive issue. Now I did personally ask him whilst he's, he is on holiday that I understand that he sees a defensive issue, but one of the big defensive issues that came up was Van Dyke, which gave away the I believe it was the second goal. Um, I said to him, should we replace Van Dyke for that? He said, no, he's allowed to pass. But look, in my opinion, I don't think Liverpool do need to fully reshuffle their defence. I mean, that defence is the one that won in the Premier League. That defence is the one that was pretty much one loss last year in the cha- in the in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Liverpool should be working on plan B defence? No chance. We've got the best centre-back in the world and Virgil van Dijk. Matip's had an amazing last 12 months. We have, name me a better fourth choice centre back in the world than Dejan Lovren. Like, oh, yeah, he's not that great when you put him in starting, but as a fourth choice to come play one or two games here and there, there's none better. Trent Alexander Arnold, one of the best right backs in the world. Uh, Andy Robertson, the best left back in the world. Like, I, I agree with Robertson. I think majority of the complaint that comes from Holmes is Alexander Arnold at the moment. Yeah, I admit Alexander Arnold, he's got issues he has to work with in defence, he always gets caught out of position. But you can't um, undermine the value he has to the Liverpool team going forward and the amount of assists or chances he creates during the game. Um, we have Henderson who fills in for him in the midfield. See, the way our system works is Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robson push up the field. We have our centre mids, uh, Wijnaldum, Henderson, Milner, Oxlade-Chamberlain, whoever it may be, they fill in in the left or right back position while the others bomb forward and whip in some crosses. Now, again, I'm going to start hitting the questions for Henderson and Milner now. Again, Ohms is very critical of him. Um, he believes Henderson shouldn't be pretty much the captain of Liverpool um, and that Milner doesn't deserve a spot in the Liverpool team. Now, I've heard, again, I'm not, I'm not a Liverpool supporter, but I've heard many of the things that Milner does in training, which is pretty much overlap some of the current players due to his immense cardio. We rarely see him tired on the field. I personally think that the midfield for Liverpool, I think the Liverpool team is is fine. I've said it in many podcasts with Nims that if Liverpool wanted to do something, there's no harm in having a second depth, a third depth positional-wise, especially from a right-back point of view, from a left-back point, even if, if you want two, three more plays in the, in the midfield area. So I wouldn't be replacing him. I, again, I'm going to always say I disagree with Ohms, even though it isn't my team, but I can see that you clearly disagree as well. I think what Ohms does is he thinks this is like FIFA and you just go in and you just buy 10 players and just keep them on the bench and don't play them and they're happy and you put them in whenever you want. But the fact of the matter is we have a squad and um, the squad w- works well. Um, Jurgen Klopp always um, rants on about how he can't achieve what he does as a manager without the likes of Milner and Henderson in the dressing room because they're amazing leaders and they lead from the you know, example. You see many games last year where we've started off sluggish. Uh, Jurgen Klopp not being happy is put on Milner or Henderson and they've they've changed the tempo to the game. Yeah, of course they do. They do add that element into the midfield where it's going to make them more fluid, especially from an attacking point of view. And touching base on um, Alexander Arnold, it's it's those types of runs that are giving the ability for Salah to either move into the box or hang out on the outside of the 18 to help him with his worldly goals. Now, as a Chelsea fan, I'm not happy with it because he scored one against us, but. 
it's the support like that that really got Liverpool to go, sorry, the world to say, look, Liverpool's attack is immense. So, look, I agree with you. I don't think a change like that should happen, um, especially with the front three as well, even with Firmino, Mane and Salah. You still got Origi on the bench. And look, if you want to buy another striker, I don't think anyone's going to complain of having depth. You want to, you want to be trying to rival Man City, then relying on, okay, we're not going to have any injuries like Man City's having in their defense. If it was up to me, I'd obviously sign a replacement for the front three and a replacement for Andy Robson at left back. But at the end of the day is I rate Jurgen Klopp as a manager and I have utmost faith in him that if there was a player out there in the market available, then he'd grab him. And if there wasn't, then he'd wait for them to be available and then he'd grab him. Uh, example is a couple of seasons ago, we were after, we needed centre back and we were after Van Dyke. And for one reason or another, we didn't get him in the, in the, in the transfer market. And all a few the, controversial reasons. Yeah, a, few, but we're just, you know, a couple of seasons ago, everyone's forgotten about it. So we'll just think. Every Liverpool fan was like ranting and raving, is Virgil van Dijk the only centre-back in the world? Why can't we just buy anyone else? Jurgen Klopp, in his mind, was like, this is the player we need. I'm going to wait for him. If it's six months, if it's one year, if it's 18 months, we're going to wait for this player because he's going to improve our squad. And that's, uh, that's what I believe is happening now with the front three as a replacement. Jurgen Klopp's got someone in mind, will it be Bruno Fernandes or someone else, and he's going to wait for him to be available and then he'll, he'll go and get him. Yeah, look, I've, again, we've seen the amount of work that Klopp has done to Liverpool considering where Liverpool were before he started and and current European champions. They even won the European Super Cup, wonderful way to start the season off. So when Ohms is back, we're more than happy to have you back on this so you guys can discuss it rather than me speaking on his behalf. But a loss to Liverpool... Um, Again, I'm not going to stick. I'm not going to change my mind. Liverpool and Napoli to progress through the group. I do understand it's a big, big win for Red Bull, but I, I don't think anyone can overlook Liverpool and Napoli. Yeah, Red Bull, Salzburg—they're a um, tricky team because we have Sadio Mane and uh, Naby Keita came came started off their career, or not like they played for Red Bull Salzburg and like on their career path. And whilst they were at Red Bull Salzburg, they never made the Champions League. So to think that they had those caliber players in their team and never made the Champions League, and yet now they are in the Champions League, which makes you wonder who, like, which gem do they have currently in their squad? And I think one of them is their striker, Erling Haaland, young prodigy who's banging in goals left, right, and center. Nineteen-year-old, and some of the goals that he scored, he he is a bit of a tall athlete, uh, sorry, a tall football player, but he seems to move very swiftly through yeah. the attacking sense. When I was watching the highlights, I saw this guy's pretty tall, but then he was running around the covering like the pitch very easily pace can shoot both feet and, so, it's, and it seems like he's one of those strikers that it's where you need him to be he's there and as soon as the ball's in their feet you're pretty much celebrating your goal already yes yeah, naturally gifted striker has got a sense for the goal so be a tricky one uh, when Napoli and Liverpool go visit Salzburg and probably uh, you probably see an 80 million pound bid by Real Madrid considering the way they're going for that 19 year old <laughs> so we'll see how that goes but yeah Liverpool back to the drawing board for them from a Champions League point of view and a big win for Red Bull uh, another team now moving on to Group F was Slavia Pra, um, getting a big point away at Inter. Now, I don't think anyone expected that considering Antonio Conte, Alexis Sanchez, Lukaku, um, all these transfers, all this money being spent and the, the, time, the type of team that's been put together. Um, Slavia Pra, one point away, I think is a massive point for them. Yeah, I don't think even they expected it after the way they reacted to being drawn in the group. Oh, there was a lot of giggles at that draw. Um, but then they could say that they were they should have came away with three points. You know, um, Inter didn't get the equaliser until the stoppage time. 
If they only held on for a few more minutes, they could have walked away with three points. I think they went with a game plan and pretty much executed it perfectly. Um, anything anything more to that game plan, yeah, you're right. They could have walked away with the three points easily. Um, something that would have definitely mattered considering the other two teams in that group. Um Dortmund and Barcelona nil all draw with Dortmund missing a penalty a save by Testegen. Um now on last week's podcast with with Nims I, I predicted Dortmund with an easy win here um, considering the type of method that they play very fast football it's, it's something that Barcelona seem to struggle with and they seem to do very well and the the, the saviour that Barcelona call him is back as well so I think it's a good point for Barcelona away yeah, it's a good point for Barcelona. It's a good point for Slavia as well. They're top of the group after one one game. <laughs> They're not complaining. Yelling for the yelling for the group to end right now. Stop the t- <laughs> um, yeah, Barcelona and Dortmund. Um, it's Champions League football, so you could say Dortmund expected to win, but Barcelona they're still one of the best teams in the world. They still have, in my opinion, the best player in the world. Messi plays for him, so at the end of the day, you can't really be too surprised with a draw. My only surprise from a draw perspective was Dortmund seemed to have a bit more youth and Barcelona have always struggled with uh, a a defence that you really couldn't consider for a Barcelona team. Now, even during Guardiola's days, it was more keep the ball away from people. We don't have to worry about our defence being that great and just make sure that Messi does his job. So for me, Dortmund, the speed that they have, I'm surprised that they didn't walk away with the win, especially with the atmosphere, the big yellow wall that they have as well. Um, yeah, that was just only my surprise from that end. Well, I think they should have came away with the three points. Um, I know Barca had more of the ball, but Dortmund had four big chances created compared to Barca zero. At the end of the day, that's football. You don't take your chances, and then you pay you, the consequences. You, you pay the consequences. Um, do we see Slavia Prague making a massive upset against Dortmund and Barca? <laughs> Who knows? It's Champions League football. That's why we love it. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we're both expecting nothing to lose for them. So at the end of the day, if they rock up to um, Germany or Spain with the same plan that they had in Italy, I don't think uh, any surprises for them if they topple the group or win the group of death as I think, people say I think, the question, I think the question I ask you is is not Slavia Prague it's Inter Milan can they do anything away from, like against Barcelona or Dortmund I think Conte maybe underestimated Slavia Prague I think going to a team more like Dortmund more like Barcelona you can sort of see the structure that they have and go okay this is what I'm planning for and he seemed pretty well with the teams that he's obviously he had Chelsea had Juventus and he seemed to come up with a bit of a plan um Barcelona at home, Dortmund at home. I, at the moment, the way that they're playing, I, I, I can't see that happening. But again, like you just said, this is Champions League football and anything can happen. It takes people that don't take their chances and up paying the price at the end of the day. And I think with Antonio Conte, he likes playing counter-attacking football. So coming up against Dortmund and Barcelona, teams who like to have the ball more, I think that suits him his style more than it does against Slavia Praga. So that's why um, they should do like better than what they did against Slavia. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. There's five more games in this round. So anything is possible in that group. Uh, group G, a massive win for Leipzig here. Now, me and Nims have touched on on this team because they are top of the Bundesliga. They are, they are a team to be reckoned with only because they have one of the best strikers in the world for me, I reckon, with Warner. Um, now, that with them walking away at three points, they don't have the hardest group in the world. They did happen to beat Benfica 
and that was away in Portugal. So it's a big three points for them. Um, the other game in that group was Zenit and Leon. Do you think? Um, sorry, with Zenit and Leon finishing in a draw. Um, do you think Leipzig to take away the group? Yeah, I think they're probably favourites to take away the group. But I think this is one of the more open groups in the Champions League where either of the four teams can come out on top. I think Group G and Group H are both equal in our standards. Um, as you touched on before, Timo Werner is another player I'd like at Liverpool, either him or Bruno Fernandes. Um, he's, he suits our style, young, pacey, forward. We could probably play anywhere across the front three. So, um, who I'll keep who would you take out of your front line for him? Oh, we just wouldn't have to take anyone now. Just You can have people on the bench. Not, not everyone has to play in every game, so we have rotations. That's the depth that we were talking about earlier. Yep. So, but... As I reckon you're right, it's a very very open group. I'm going to still lean towards Leipzig to take out that group only because of the way their form is in the Bundesliga. They are. It looks like if they can secure this group quickly and then add, add a bit of difference between them and Dortmund and Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga, it looks like a very it looks like they can focus on certain things at certain times for them. So I reckon that's what they're trying to get themselves set up for. Yeah, I think, but that can also work against them. I think like teams like Zenit and Benfica, who are not in such strong uh, national leagues, like Benfica have Porto to consist against, but Zenit probably like run away with the Russian league. So they can kind of put all their eggs in the Champions League basket for, for now while like they're like, uh, muster up a bit of a gap in front of the their national league. While RP Leipzig can't really... It's not going to be easy to build a gap between them and Dortmund and Munich in their league, so they have to kind of like put concern their efforts across both uh, competitions at once. True. I think they're going to have to rely on Bayern Munich and Dortmund to to really suffer in the Bundesliga. Dortmund has, and Bayern Munich, with me and Nims have touched on this, an aging squad. We're going to have to wait and see how how it all goes for this team. Um, now going into the last group here, my team here, Chelsea, losing to Valencia one nil. Um, in my opinion, I think they should have won that game. Uh, I think it's the same problem that I've always stated on every single podcast, pretty much. First half, amazing. Second half, itis. They just It just seems to just fall apart for for Chelsea in the second half. I, I, I'm struggling to figure out what it is. It, it, is, it, is, it a, is it an overconfidence issue, over-motivation? By, is, it, is it too much pressure on the youngsters? Um, we're going to have to wait and see. But again, another another game that they should have won. Um, I don't want to go on a bit of a rant here, especially with the Barkley, uh, yeah, the Ross Barkley penalty. Um, but he should not have taken that. Yeah, I reckon with Willian on, you got Pedro on, even Jorginho, who is so calm when he takes the penalties. A player like Ross Barkley should not be taking it. Well, Frank Lampard after the game came out and said that Ross Barkley is their penalty taker. So I think. For their squad, Lampard said Ross Barkley is their penalty taker. If he's not on the field, Willian takes it. So then I think Willian's like, oh, Barkley, you've only been on for five minutes. You know, you're not as, um, you don't have rhythm in the game yet, so let me take it. And Barkley's like, nah, I got it. He hit the post. He hit the post and it went out and it pretty much cost them, oh, it did cost them a point at home. Um, I think my, my frustration leans with more, why him to begin with? He's rarely on, so why would you put him as your penalty taker? You have much more experienced players on the field. Even, I reckon, I know, I know Tammy Abraham missed it against you guys in the Super Cup. I reckon even just giving it to him, just a motivation, because he seems to be hitting everything in at the moment. Um, he did have a few chances um, in this game, and he just didn't have to put it away. I think that just comes down to experience. He is still young. Um, Mount going off didn't help us. Um, 
look, I think Lampard will bounce off this. It wasn't a bad performance. It was just more... Bad result. Bad result. They're just not putting the ball in the net. Um, now, the other the other game in that group, Ajax-Lille. I don't think anyone expected Ajax to um, to start off... Uh, sorry, to to win this game as easy as they expected, especially against Lille. But they are last year's semi-finalists. A 3-0 easy win for them. Do you see them progressing to the Champions League like they did last year? It would be an interesting one. Um, they lost, obviously, the two best players in Delit and uh, De Jong. De Jong. Yep. Um, but they have bought Quincy Promise in from Sevilla, who had... like He did spend only one year at Sevilla, but he had very good time at Spartak Moscow. He was banging in goals for fun. So interesting to see how he goes. They're, they're a good team. They've got a good manager. They play um, like really interesting style of football. So I think that should hold them in good stead. They probably won't make it to the semi-final again, but anything can happen. Anything can happen. It is a Champions League. I think topping that group um, will probably help them a lot to maybe even get to the quarterfinals. Um, but it is still an open group. A bad result for my team, but hopefully we can bounce back from that. Um, and that pretty much sums up all the groups of the Champions League. Um, do you want to move on to the Premier League? Yep, let's go. Match day six for the Premier League. Um, now we've got, in my opinion, two massive games coming into this um, to this match day. Uh, first one is Leicester City Tottenham. Now Leicester and Tottenham are part of the part of a few teams who are equal third at the moment. Um, Leicester doing a lot better than a lot of people expected, and Tottenham pretty much in reverse. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this game goes. I think Leicester fancying themselves as one of the big boys this season. They can break into the top six. Tottenham, on the other hand, they think they can challenge for the title. So this will be a good game to see how Buffer measure up. I thought Tottenham would be challenging for the title. But um, considering the way that their team was gelling towards the end of last year, I really expected them to be up there. But it doesn't. It, it seems like all the rumours and all the issues that's happened over the summer, or their summer, I should say, it's really gotten to the team, whether it's Pochettino, like you said, whether it's Ericsson, um, even Son and Kane. They just don't seem like that team that that we really saw. I'm not going to say Champions League because that was a horrible performance by Tottenham, but just the leading up even in the Champions League, it's just not that same team. Um, yeah, even towards the end of last season, you saw them tapering off. They were in the title fight until the last 10 games or so where they just dropped um, very heavily. It's still early days. They're still only two points behind Manchester City. In third, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tottenham is there or thereabouts near the end of the season. Do you think with their with their issues in the Champions League that it might actually start to affect them this weekend coming against Leicester City? I don't, I don't think it's anything to do with the Champions League. I just think Leicester's a really good team and they're going to cause them a lot of problems. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I'm, I reckon I'm going to go with Leicester City on this game. Um, just the way that they're playing at the moment, it just seems like they replaced Harry Maguire very well. I know Soinger didn't have the best of games last week against Manchester United, but I think Leicester City to bounce back and maybe pile on the pressure on Pochettino and Tottenham at the moment. So I'm going with Leicester City this game. Yeah, I've got a draw. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either result Leicester are a good team. They have a really good midfield. But at the end of the day, Tottenham's still a class team. Um, Youngmin Son has only been back for a couple of games this season. So they're still gelling in. So we'll see how they go. Do you think it's the fact that you've got a player like Lucas who doesn't really start the game, but it feels like he should be starting the game. And Ericsson, who's also not in the best of minds at the moment, considering I, me personally, I reckon he wants to leave. Um, it's it's those types of issues that Pochettino can't solve and it's leading to all these issues? Yeah, well, it's still early days still, that's what I reckon. Um, 
they're grown-ups, they're mature, they, they're professionals, they know how to get their minds ready for a football match, so that shouldn't cause them too much problems. As a Chelsea supporter, I hope those issues keep going for them. Um, we're going for our own issues at the moment, so it would be nice to tag along another London team with us. Um, Man City, Man City-Watford. Now, Watford did replace their manager. Um, it seems like they... Pretty much, out, not seen like, but they did outperform Arsenal in their last game. I think it was 31 shots to eight. They came out in the second half blaring. Man City missing Laporte, missing Stones, defensive issues for Guardiola. Do you think Man City might have a few issues here? As a Liverpool fan, I, I'd hope so. You hope so? But um, I just don't see it happen. Like that Arsenal-Watford game, I was watching it, it was end-to-end. There was chances created every two seconds. Like... I don't really think you can gauge Watford's performance because at the end of the day, they came across David Luiz and Socrates, who I don't really... Uh, aren't the best in the world uh, in their positions? Yeah, they're not. Oh, uh, look, I, I, I agree with you from that angle because I, I always stated that when Arsenal did this transfer of David Luiz that you get two David Luizes. One who is a world-class defender and in times that you need him, he's there. But majority of the time, you end up with... Such a Bob. Pretty much. And the one that affects you especially from a defensive point of view he i think he relies on his center back to cover his mistakes and arsenal don't have that so i think that's what watford really did exploit at the moment i i'm i'm maybe seeing that watford do that with man city because you're gonna have two center backs who aren't usually in that role and don't have that connection like say stones and otamendi or even stones and laporte so look at the end i agree with you from a sense of you, you just cannot not tip Man City, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as it is as it is on paper. At the end of the day, Man City's midfield is not Arsenal's midfield. Very true. So Arsenal's midfield is non-existent against Watford. They were just Watford is walking like Decore dominated Arsenal's Xhaka, Torreira, whoever Sabayos, uh, whoever you had there. It's not going to be happen with Rodri, De Bruyne. Gundogan, David Silva, Bernardo Silva, it's just not going to happen. And the depth keeps going for Man City. One of um, one of things I'm very, very jealous of that team. Um, look, with defensive issues, we're going to have to wait and see if Watford can exploit that. Um, moving on to West Ham and Manchester United. United away in this game, they just they just scraped through to get the three points against Astana in the Europa League this morning. Do you reckon we might see a bit of a shock here for United? I don't even think it'd be a shock if they drop points. I just think <laughs> hey, that's that because you're a Liverpool supporter. I just, I just think that's what's expected of United. Like, it's a shock. Like, it was a shock that United beat Leicester last week. That was a shock to me. They came with like Leicester dominated that game. I, well, I tipped Leicester for that game, so I was very shocked with that result as well. Um, look, United, for me, their their away travels haven't been the best for United, especially for Solskjaer, especially at the end of towards the last season. Um, whether West Ham walks away with this game very easily. We're going to have to wait and see, but I'm pretty sure uh, you're a Liverpool supporter and me being a Chelsea supporter, we'll be very, very happy to see United drop points here. Yeah, I'm tipping the draw and um, I don't see why that can't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally aligned with you here. I've got a draw as well. I won't be surprised if West Ham walk away with the points here. Um, United, it just it just didn't seem right to them, especially at Old Trafford against a team like Astana to to really struggle that much. Um, but yeah, a draw here to West Ham. Nothing more than a, than a Liverpool and Chelsea supporter can wish for. Arsenal, Aston Villa. 
Do you reckon Arsenal can bounce back from their mid, or not midweek, from their last weekend issues like they had at Watford? I think they should. I think um, Aston Villa are a team, I think, lacking on confidence and they haven't really settled down in the Premier League this season yet. So Arsenal have a very good home form. Um, so they should walk away with three points. They are the biggest spenders in the Premier League. So do you think that Aston Villa can have that excuse where we have spent money and we need time to gel or we've spent money and it wasn't the right players that we bought? I think it's a little bit of both. They had a aging squad in the championship, a lot of their players, because they had to let go of a lot of players who were just too old. So now that's why they have to buy like 10, 11 plus players to fit in with their team. But watching their games, I just don't think their striker, Wesley, is, is gonna, like he can keep them up. It just doesn't offer enough for me when I watch him play. He doesn't hold the ball up. He's a like over six foot tall striker. I just don't think he holds the ball up too well. I think he's only scored one or two goals this season. So they need to, they did find more goals from players around him. So you reckon they're missing another striker? Yeah, they're missing a, a number nine, someone else. Like back when they were in Premier League before, they had a Benteke. Remember, he carried them, kept them in the Premier League more often. More of a physical striker that they had, even just to help out the midfield attack as well, like Ben Taker, like you just said. Yeah, I think that's what they bought Wesley for, but he just hasn't been doing it so far this season. You got Arsenal for this one? Yeah, unfortunately, as a, I got Arsenal. Yeah, I'm back in Arsenal with this one to back up their their performance in the in the Premier League. I just can't see them losing against Aston Villa. Um, whether Aston Villa get a goal, I won't be surprised. We touched base on the defensive issues that Arsenal have. Um, but I think Arsenal, maybe 2-1, 3-1 victors. But sorry to the Aston Villa supporters out there. I've got, got to go with Arsenal on this one. Um, in, in now to the big one, the big game for, for the round. It's pretty much you, you versus me in this one. Chelsea hosting Liverpool. Now, Chelsea is the last team to beat Liverpool. Okay, this was... Sorry, at Anfield, I should say. Um, it was a League Cup win. Hazard doing what Hazard does, but there is no Hazard now. Um, me and Nims touched base on this, and I, I believe with our guest star at the time, Jehun as well. With no Hazard, do you think this game is going to have a completely different view on it because in the Super Cup, in my opinion, I think if Hazard was there, I think Chelsea might have walked away with victory. Maybe maybe not in 90 minutes, but maybe in extra time. But considering the woes that they had in the Champions League, do you think do you think Liverpool will bounce back and put in a Liverpool performance, I should say? Yeah, as a Liverpool fan, I hope so. But also at the same time, that was a really taxing game against Napoli. It was really humid. The players were really tired after like 70, 80 minutes. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But I have full confidence in my team. The thing with Chelsea is though, they have a really youthful team. So there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies across the season. So we'll see which... How the the youth was going to bounce back after that result in Valencia? Look, I'm I'm back in Chelsea only because it is my team, and I think if I look at the predictions that I put forth after match day 38, it would probably be Chelsea with 38 wins. Um, but I think I think this game is just going to go exactly the way the Super Cup went, which is Chelsea doing what they do in the first half, Klopp seeing this, adjusting with his subs, and Liverpool doing what they do in the second half. Whether Chelsea can get the lead ahead of Liverpool or whether Liverpool can make the most of their chances. We're going to have to wait and see. Look, I, at the end of the day, I have to pick Chelsea. I do hope they win. Um, and we're just going to, we're going to have to wait to see what the score is after the game. With a team like Man City in the league with us, we can't afford to drop too many points if we want to win the league as Liverpool fans. So for me, 
we have to win 38 out of 38 if we're going to have any chance of winning this league. So this is not the game for us to drop any points in. Well, at the moment, you're five points ahead of Man City. So I think you guys have sort of a, a leeway in, in this game, which is which is a, a good thing. Yeah, if now, I read it correctly, is someone said this is the biggest lead anyone's ever had after five games into a season, five-point lead. And it'd be a shame if you guys dropped it. Oh, uh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> look, I, look, I've I got to go based on history. Liverpool have dropped points like this. But again, the Liverpool that was playing at the time, you really couldn't consider them the same team that they were then. End of the day, this is Chelsea. We're not coming across, you know, one of the teams at the bottom of the table. It's, if we drop points against Chelsea, it's not the end of the world. They're a good team. Exactly right. Look, at, at the end of the day, no, no team wins 38 out of 38. It would be a massive, especially in this day and age, to do that in the Premier League. We made a big deal about Leicester winning the Premier League. I could just imagine another team going invincible in the Premier League. Now, I think a big a big advantage for you guys is Kante still not being available. He does dictate the field. Um, whether he may, I, I don't think he'll make a, even an appearance in this game, but... I think from a midfield point of view, he we, we did see what he did to Liverpool in the Super Cup. So I think there's a big advantage for you guys. Yeah, he's, he's just a machine. He's just he's like When Kante's on the field, there's like there's three of him. He like he gives a pass and then the pass gets intercepted and then somehow he's there to win the ball back. But it'll be interesting to see as a Liverpool fan if Fabinho plays this game because he's played most of our games this year and he's been amazing as a centre defensive midfielder, like up there of the best in the world. But I think he needs a rest sometime soon. So it'll be interesting to see when Klopp gives him that rest. Yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. For, for Chelsea, it's also another worrying stack. They've only won just one of their last nine Premier League meetings with Liverpool, drawing five and losing three. I think that draw seems to be more of the common around with Chelsea and Liverpool, especially when, when there's a lot on the line. Um, now, you guys walked away. I think it was the game that everyone was looking forward to last year because of... I hate to bring it up because you're a Liverpool spoiler with the Gerrard slip costing the Premier League. I would have taken a draw in that game. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, a, a draw, even just a Salah wonder in that game. Um, but look, I wouldn't be surprised if this game is a draw. You're going to back Liverpool. I'm going to back Chelsea. Um, I'm hoping that the youth, like you mentioned, Abraham, I know Mount is out, but we still have a bit more youngsters that are coming into the team, especially from a defensive point of view, that they can just put away the chances that they missed against Valencia. It's it's That's what's costing Chelsea. I'm hoping Ross Barkley does not take any more penalties for Chelsea. Um, we have enough players. I don't even care if you want Kepa to take a penalty. It's just... He, he, I hope they don't get a penalty for anyone to take in the game. Like, I hope it's for another week, not, not think, for this weekend. I think for your sake, you don't want Alexander-Arnold to give away any penalties or you probably have Olmstrad on your back about it. <laughs> so, look, again, Liverpool from your end, Chelsea from my end. Liverpool going into the Premier League, 100% record into this game, 15 goals and only conceding four, while Chelsea are in six, but, uh, sorry, six but equal third based on points. Um, it's going to be a big weekend of football. Starting off with Southampton and Bournemouth, which is the first game tomorrow morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, the other games that's coming up over the weekend and on Monday, you got Burnley and Norwich, Everton, Sheffield United, Newcastle hosting Brighton, Crystal Palace and Wolves, and as we've mentioned on the Monday game, Arsenal, Aston Villa, and the big one, Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, like if you look at it, other than the Man City Watford game and the Arsenal Villa game, every other game is pretty evenly poised if you look at the table where the teams are sitting there there's not much gap between the two teams so it'll be an interesting uh, match day in the EPL yeah and I 
and I just want to touch base on one one more other game, and it's a, I think it's a worrying sign for one of the teams here, which is Wolves. Now, they lost in the Europa League, and they are winless in the Premier League at the moment, sitting in second last just above just above Watford. Now, the changes that are that that's happening for Watford can really put Wolves in a bit of a problem because it doesn't seem like this is the Wolves that everyone predicted to see this year. They had a massive attacking sorry, a massive attack and a very solid defense last year. And it just seems like everything has just fallen apart. And I think maybe they walked into this season thinking, yes, we can replicate the same that we did last year. I think they're going through what Burnley went through last year and they struggled with the extra European games. A couple of seasons ago, Burnley finished like 7th or 8th, finished in the Europa League spots. Start of last season, they start off the season playing their Europa League qualifiers and they just struggled to hit hit the ground running in the Premier League. It took them like two, three months before they settled down. I think Wolves might be going through the same thing. They had to play their qualifiers for the Europa League and they're struggling with the three, two, two, two games a week. They're not used to that. I think they have the squad big enough to to do that yet. So I think they're struggling at the moment. We'll see how they if they can bounce back. Especially for them considering it's, um well, from an English perspective, it'll be Thursday night football heading into um, Saturday football. So, there's not much of a turnaround, especially with the distance that they are traveling. Um, you would expect that Wolves, with the backing that they have, the financial support that they have, that, that they would have planned for this. I mean, teams such as um, the Big Six or the Big Seven, if you want to even um, add Leicester City into it, they all planned for that. Leicester City, when they went into the Champions League after their major run in the Premier League and winning it, they still planned for, okay, we're going to have that extra game and they ended up making, I believe it was the quarterfinals or the round of 16. They did make the quarters, but at the same time, they struggled in the league. They struggled in the but it was more they finished where everyone expected them to finish in the league. Now, I don't think we, we, we would be having this conversation, say, if Wolves were 10th or 11th, because we can be like, okay, they're focusing. They're, they're trying to balance it out, like you just said, but winless after five rounds, I think, is a massive worry for them. Do you think the manager's under pressure yet? Because... He was up there with one of the managers of the year last season. And then they started off, like, how, how many games do Wolves give him before they get, you know, start giving him the tap on the shoulder? If this was Chelsea, it would probably be a tap on the shoulder now. It would be more like, hey, we're watching you. Next two, three games, let's see how we go. I don't think the next game will work in his favour if they lose. Maybe a point might get, hit, might get the Wolves on the board off his back. But look... I mean, I mean Watford, Watford aren't too much... Worse when they got rid of their manager, so we'll see how. But the manager that they hired was the manager that everyone was afraid of to go to Watford for. It was it, it, Flores was the was the manager to go. Okay, crap! I need to figure out a plan because this guy knows what he's doing and he knows how to control his team. We saw that in the second half against Arsenal, absolutely demolished the team that spent nearly eighty million pounds in the summer. Now Wolves, on the other hand, did they really? They didn't. <sighs> Did they really have the chance to go, okay, let's sit back, let's have a look at this and ask the manager and go, well, do you need anything? Or did they just go, don't worry, he's got this, he'll sort it out. So whether, whether they give him a tap on the shoulder, I think a heavy loss here, they might. They might be like one more warning or one more loss and you're out of here or one more big loss, you're out of here. Um, but considering what he's done for the team, considering where he's led them, I, I don't see that happening. Maybe after 10 games, if they're in that sort of similar position, I can say, okay, there's an issue. Yeah, yeah. I think they should probably give him to like January, Christmas time, and then we'll see how they are on the table. And then 
Yeah, because if you get rid of a manager now, not only does that manager need to come in, you're, you're risking yourself to further issues because if that manager sees an issue, he can't do anything about it. Well, at least more, say, November, December, you can go, okay, I've had two, three weeks with the team. I can see where the issue is. Come January, let's get one or two more people. And one, We're- like, you need managers available to come in at the moment. Like, there's, other than Jose Mourinho, who I don't really know if he's, you know, managing Wolves is his, you know, aspirations at the moment. <laughs> Look, he is Portuguese. Um, that team heart pretty much is... 50% Portuguese so look I, I can't see Jose Mourinho coaching a team like Wolves he would have to take I reckon a massive check or uh, Mourinho complete. just being bored or <laughs> just, yeah it's like a new project yeah or like he needs like complete freedom he complete freedom and finances yeah. it's it's, the, it's a money thing now it was easier for him to take um, Chelsea because at the time you can buy 20 players for 200 million pounds and they're all superstars at the end of the day but if Harry Maguire is going for 80 million pounds I can't see a team like Wolves going and spending 130 140 million pounds for what they need so we're going to have to wait and see if they can bounce back a win for them at Crystal Palace can be a massive boost for them um it'll be even more of a shame for them especially if what Watford somehow upset the the Premier League champions and Wolves just sit at the bottom with no wins so that's match day 6 for you um any comments, any questions, Ali? Anything from you? Not you want to throw my know, way? Liverpool top of the league. Liverpool top of the league. In, in fact, they are 100% record for them. Big gap over the current champions. Um, we're going to have to wait and see how match day six goes. Ali, thank you very much for joining us in Nims's absentee. Um, again, Nims, concrete, Bunnings. It's not, um, it's not expensive. I can mix it for you if you'd like. But I do look forward to you hammering me on the next podcast. Um, until the, uh, until next time, until I believe on our Tuesday podcast and discuss the results of the Premier League, go Chelsea against Liverpool. Um, Ali, again, thank you very much for filling in. Um, and that's it from us. So thank you very much for listening.